to talk about in The Persistent Widow really does help, I believe, sort through what we should be praying about. It's, it's, as we'll talk about, I think it's much more than just simply having persistence. But it's having persistence in the right things. Because I think many of us, if we're fired up about something or we feel passionate about something, we are going to spend the time praying, aren't we? You know, something serious, we, we will be more persistent in. The things that are not as important, we tend to, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, give it a few, few short prayers and then we're off to something else. And this passage to me really helps us see what are the things that we need to be more concerned about and what do we re- really need to be persistent about. And I think at times it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get disheartened in prayer, isn't it? I think you can identify that there have been times all in our lives where we have, we've wanted God to work in a certain way and He has not worked and we feel disheartened, we feel discouraged. And what does this passage begin to tell us in, in Luke chapter 18? He tells them that they should always pray and not lose heart. Do not doubt. To not get discouraged. And there's even this context of, of not getting your heart, letting your heart get a little rotten. I think that happens times with some of us with prayer as well. When God does not answer the way that we think He should, our heart gets a little rotten. Okay. We, we, it, it, we, begin to, we begin to doubt God. Right. We begin to question God. We begin to get bitter with God, do we not? Yeah. Have you ever been there? I have. And so He's warning to the fact that, hey, persist, but don't let your heart get rotten. Don't let it get weary. Do not lose heart. So let's dive in to Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. It's one of the few uh, parables that Jesus actually says, Hey, I'm going to tell you what this is all about. Then Jesus told them a parable to show, show them that they should always pray and not lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge. Neither feared God nor respected people. There was a widow in that city. Who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while, he refused. But later on, he said to himself, though I I neither fear God nor have regard for people. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll give her justice. Or in the end, she will wear me out with her unending pleas. I love it. And the Lord said, listen. To what the unrighteous judge says, won't God give justice to his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay long to help them? I tell you, he will give them justice speedily. Nevertheless, he wants us to listen here. When the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? You know, two characters here. A judge. Probably a non-Jew, has no fear of God, no respect of God, no awe of God, no reverence for God, no reason to be moved by God at all or any of God's laws. He is, he is following his own morality, his own convictions. He is his own man. There's no spiritual reasons that he's going to give to do the things that he does. But he also has no respect for people. No regard for people. No one is going to tell him what to do. 
There were in, in these days, there were, there were judges. They were called robber judges. And they were those that could actually kind of be bribed to, to make some decisions. Now, you would say, well, if this guy did not fear man, the point is, he would take anything for a bribe. He's no respecter. Any, any, anyone could give him something, and he will kind of make decisions in their favor. And this, these were rampant in these days. And so you can imagine now you have a, a widow, and during these times, the loss of a husband, and if you did not have any family, that would be a great tragedy. Didn't have any children or anything, it would be brutally tough because you had no, no income perhaps, no, no inheritance, nothing that, that, that was yours. And you were very vulnerable to society. In fact, it's interesting that Jesus, uh, in, in later on in Luke chapter 20, talks about the teachers in the law of the law who will actually kind of steal the homes of widows. And so these widows were really at the disposal of, of, of kind of society and, and were taken advantage of. So you got this little widow, you got this cruel judge. But who ends up winning? This, this, this little widow wears down this judge. You know, when we kind of look at this in context, it says she persists, she keeps coming after him. And kind of in the language, it says it literally means that she was, she was so persistent that she gives him a black eye. Wow. <laughs> it's a boxing term. So you can imagine this judge shows up. I don't know when court would have started. I don't know when does court start, uh, Rodolfo? Nine o'clock. So let's just say court is being, a, being adjourned at nine o'clock. I bet this little widow is showing up right there. She's the first person this judge sees. Who knows if she stays all day. And she's the last person this judge sees. But the point is, she keeps coming and coming. And it's a boxing term. It's like getting punched and punched and punched and punched. And this, this, this judge is finally going, I can't take it. And I, I'm boxed in a corner. This, this woman is wearing me out. It, all, it could also mean, black eyes, that you're not getting any sleep. Like she's literally just... She, okay, I've had enough. Now... Teens, have you ever done that to your parents? You ever wanted something? Yes. Uh, <laughs> and you've gone to your parents and they say no, but you go, let me try this way. Let me try this way. I heard that someone even had a PowerPoint presentation for something that they wanted. I, I just heard a rumor of that. That was very, very good. <laughs> Did it work, though? Did it work? Oh, it didn't work. <laughs> so she has to come back and try something else. But... Hey, I did it as a kid. Doesn't work with your dad, you go to your mom. It doesn't, you know, you, you try to wear them down. And I tell you, as parents, you have been worn down at some point, right? So we all can relate. But this guy who cares not for God, doesn't care for, for, for people, and probably, yes, could have been bribed. And so this woman has no recourse. She wants justice she, against her adversary. Perhaps a teacher of the law who wanted to steal her home. 
probably had paid a bribe. But finally, she wins out. He caves in. And that Jesus' point, this unrighteous judge will cave in at the persistence of this widow. God will help us in our time of need. But here's the dilemma. Here's the wrestle. Because is God really talking about if we just simply persist in prayer and any prayer, then he will answer it? I don't think so. But I think we do get fooled with passages like this. And I think it does lead to us getting disheartened and discouraged and perhaps even having rotten hearts because we, we end up interpreting these passages and going, well, I prayed, I prayed, and I prayed. But are we praying about what is really important? And that then really does take us to what is taking place in the passage prior to this one. And what is that? It's talking about the coming of the Son of Man. See, I've had a lot of anxiety thinking about trying to sell my home. I've had a lot of anxiety with uncertainty. Not, okay, am I going here? Am I going there? Where, where, where am I going? This passage really has challenged me about what, is, what it is I really do need to worry about. What it is I really do need to be praying more persistently about. Does God care about my home? Does God care about where I move? I believe he does. But I think he cares much more about where I will spend eternity and whether I am going to be ready when he comes back. And that, in fact, is the context of this passage with the persistent widow. Luke chapter 17, 20 to 37. And we're not going to read it all, but I, my sermon was entitled, Ready or Not? The Son of Man is going to come. It'll be obvious. It's not going to be like, you know, in one part of the world and the other part will miss it. Everyone will see it. It will be obvious. Will you be ready? He'll come back. Everything will seem normal. Just like it was in the days of Noah. Just like it was in the days of Lot. You know, you're, you're marrying. You're, you're going to your job. You're grinding flour. All of these things are going to be just going on as normal. But... He's going to come back. Will you be ready? And then Jesus' teaching on prayer is in this context about what really is most important. When I return, when the Son of Man returns, will He find faith on this earth? Will He find people faithful for His return? Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 21. Okay. I want to paint a little bit uh, further picture about this. Because uh, Jesus later on in, in, in Luke has a, has a big discourse on, his, uh, on the, the signs of the end of the age. And, uh, chapter 21 verse 34 says, Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation, drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close on you unexpectedly like a trap. Similar to the coming of the Son of Man. He's talking about all this. For it will come upon those who live on the face of the earth. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. So that you will be able to stand what? 
before the Son of Man. He talks about this fact of not having our hearts weighed down. Not being entrapped. Not having the, the anxieties of life capture us and, and, and entrap us. And that we would always we would be watchful. And that we would pray that we would be able to stand when the Son of Man comes. Jesus knew that we would be given to distractions and worries and anxieties that would weigh us down and trap us. But He wants us to live to the things beyond this life. The things that really do matter. So in all of the Gospels, the book of Acts, and so many of the New Testament letters... We read about the second coming of Jesus. We read about his return. And Jesus knew that we would be facing challenges. And we would be facing difficulties. He knew that his disciples would be facing those difficulties. That's why even in chapter 17 earlier, he says, you know, you're going to be, you're going to desire that I come. There's going to be things happening in your life. You're going to desire that the Son of Man returns, but, he, but He's not. What's His point? You're going to wish He had because there's going to be so many things going on in your life. You're going to wish that, that you're, in essence, kind of rescued from it all. It's an ongoing theme throughout much of the New Testament. That the Son of Man is going to return. He's going to come back. It's a theme of the book of Hebrews. Of people who were, were threatening to give up their faith. And over and over again, he challenged them. In the end of chapter 10, and beginning this great book, the chapter of faith in chapter 11, he says, don't shrink back. Don't shrink back. Stay faithful. Book of Revelation, written to Christians who are being butchered, tortured, so many injustices to their life. Don't you think that they were going... Man, when is this going to end? They even exclaimed, some of them who had died, How long, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth, avenge our blood. That's what they were crying. You know what's interesting, though, is that we don't know, although this passage in, in Luke tells us that justice will be given, we don't know exactly when that is. Speedily is kind of one of those terms that God knows. And, and so many of the disciples, even during the, 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 the time that this is written, I'm sure they were hoping speedily, but it didn't necessarily happen. And I've got to get it into my head a little bit that there may be a time that speedily means down, down the road, but I am still going to be faithful. I am still going to persist in praying about the things that really matter. And so when Jesus comes back, will he find faith in us? And I realize I can worry about so many things. Like I said, will my home sell? What will I do if it doesn't? Oh no, what? Oh, do I, is my price too high? Is it, what do I, I, I can, you know, go crazy with it. I wrestled with leaving the beach. The beach! The beach! You know how cool it was when I was in Canada and I got got a job in Virginia Beach <laughs> and I'm leaving the beach but I realize God's kingdom 
God's movement and the salvation of so many people are greater than my comforts on the beach. And I've had to wrestle with what really is important. And even during this time of transition that we're going through, I realize, am I, am I concerned about the things in my life? What consumes my prayers? How much of my prayer is focused on me? Please do this, God. Please work here. Please work there. And, and yet, am I, am I focused? Am I praying for the salvation of people, people who are weak, even in our midst? Am I praying for those that are studying the Bible? Do I want them saved? Or am I so self-consumed? And I think what Jesus is saying in this passage is pray about the right things. Persist in that. That's the heart I want. Does he care about those things? Yes. But I tell you, there is a strong message in Luke, Luke chapter 17 about Lot's wife when you look back. And I think we can subtly, maybe not so subtly, but we can even get distracted by the world in our prayers because we get kind of caught up and, and drawn into, into anxieties even in our prayer. And just as Lot's wife turned back in our prayer, perhaps we can turn back to the kind of the glitter and the things that we want in this world. And Jesus says, no, fix your eyes on really the things that matter. It is my return. Are you and will you be ready? You know, this is not my last sermon. But like I said, this is Joyce and I have wrestled a lot with uh, leaving Hampton Roads. There have been lots of discussion, lots of prayers. What is, what is best for God's kingdom? Where, where, where will we be used? And Ed said it. I, I, I simply, when I became a disciple, said, God, take me. Please, just, just use me. Refine me. I, I just want to be used for you. Whenever we come back, it will mean so much. To us. Again, this is not a farewell speech. It seems like it. <laughs> it, it will seem, it, it fits into this passage. It, it will do our hearts so well to hear of your faith, to hear of your perseverance, to hear that you have not quit, to hear from a distance, wherever we land, wherever that is. To hear of your, your faith and how, how you've, you've continued to grow. How you've, continued, you've wrapped your arms around the Antons and, and, and you've, you've taken it to the next level. It, that, that's what faith is. Yeah. And we want to hear about your faith. We're, we want to we hear of the great things that God is doing here in this region and in this church. But I can, I can guarantee you this. You are going to have your tough times. You're going to have your doubts. You're going to have your temptations to go back to the things of the world. And I want to challenge you as I'm challenging myself from this passage. To make sure that you will always pray. That you will never quit. That you will never get up, give up. And that you will have an eternal perspective on things. That's what this passage tells me. It's not all the glitter. It's not all the things of this world. But when the Son of Man returns. When Sean returns. 
Will he find faith? He wants to find faith. I want to leave you with this passage. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's interesting, it's right after this context of, of, of uh, Paul telling the Thessalonians uh, to pray continually. And he says in chapter 5, verse 23, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love this last sentence. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. And that is my charge from this passage. That Jesus tells us to always pray and not give up. That we will pray this prayer personally. That we will pray this prayer for each other. If you lead a Bible talk, you will pray a prayer for the people in your Bible talk. That, that God will work. That He will sanctify them. We've talked a lot about that. Sanctify them. Use them. Shape them. Refine them. To be used by God. And, and, and everything about us be blameless. When? Until the coming of Jesus. And the great thing about this is the one who calls us, Jesus. He's faithful. He's faithful and he will do it. We can make it to the finish line. That's what I, that's, that's what I see in this passage. Persevere. Don't give up. Make it. When I come, I want to, I want to see your faith that's been in action. Amen? Amen. Awesome.